0: welcome back to our weekly podcast here. Uh, Paul, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. How you doing? Excellent,
1: excellent. In yeah. Los Angeles today, sunny and
0: nice. Nice, nice. Uh, did you have a good week? As good as always. <laughs> well, hopefully it was a lot better than uh, maybe uh, what we're going to talk about in our uh, uh, segment CX in the news this week that I think everyone's talking about. We'll, we'll get to that in, in just a moment. Uh, so this week, we got a quick CX in the news discussion. Uh, we want to talk about, based on our conversation the last uh, couple of weeks, talk about surveys and how we can use surveys to start measuring customer experience and, and doing that through our Voice of the Customer program. So uh, surveys, uh, you know, a lot of people are doing them, uh, but let's talk about what's good, what's what's the good, the bad, and the ugly about surveys, and uh, and then get to our tool of the week, which ties into the uh, the survey work. So, with but with that said, um, oh United, <laughs> uh, as everyone has uh, as everyone knows, it's gone viral, and I think viral might be an understatement at this point. Um, We've all seen the CX nightmare that United has stepped in this week uh, with the doctor who was uh, forcibly removed or reaccommodated, as uh, the CEO put it. And that's actually, I think, what you wanted to talk about, Paul, today was not necessarily the experience itself in terms of what happened, because we can all agree that was just uh, a disaster. But the response to it internally, and, and especially from a leadership perspective. So I thought you might want to touch on that as a, as a CX leader.
1: And this makes me, as a, you know, in a couple of companies I think are facing this, is, you know, at, at some point, um, you know, leadership, it, leadership buying the customer experience and what it is and how you deliver it is, you know, and the mindset that, that is there in the leadership is, is just so critical. You cannot deliver great customer experience when your leadership doesn't get it in the first place and, and and the ceo's response to to uh you know what was what was a horrible situation was just not the right one you know the whole notion of we're going to put our own interests ahead of of a customer's interest and in 800 i mean it's the you know i, I don't want to belabor it but you know uber's had the same kind of issue where you know the the, the leadership at the, at the at the top sets a culture in an organization and that culture you know, things, decisions people make, the way they view the world, you know, how you make decisions about um, value, you know, for us versus value, delivering value to customers. Our time is more important than a customer's time getting our employees there is more important than you getting uh, to someplace that you want, right? I mean, all of those are, 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 are decisions that are being made from the CEO at the line. And the leadership really sets the stage for it. So um, United's had a problem with leadership. I, you know, Their last CEO, I had the exact same problem with. You look at all of the, the videos that happened prior, you know, before you were going to uh, gonna take off, and you're like, the CEO doesn't get it. He has no earthly idea what my experience is. Right. He's talking about the integration and systems and you know, things that, you know, that your average passenger doesn't care about. Um, so they're going to have to fix it. I would not be surprised if, if, if the CEO goes, um, at, at, at some point, you know, this being a, 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 an element of it, they're clearly trying to do some stuff around customer experience. I see, I see efforts, but, um, you know, again, it starts at the top and when your top's not included, in, it's, it's hard to change the rest of the organization.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think touching on that, the change piece, I mean. To me, it, it, it becomes a culture issue. I mean, you could be doing all the different uh, programs and, and redesigning experiences and digital and all these other things to, to make it a better experience. But really, it's in these moments where the rubber hits the road in terms of have you actually achieved it through culture change? And I think the answer was overwhelmingly no. No. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: expensive no. Yes, yeah, very
0: expensive no. Um, and but, and actually, and,
1: yeah. yeah. Go back to our, our ROI of customer experience. point. Yeah, there's, there's there's a case in point of uh, the, the the flip side of it, the bad side. So.
0: Yeah, and and we should have everyone check out our uh, colleague uh, um, Chelsea Ellis out of San Francisco, out of our San Francisco office. She just released a blog today, kind of looking at some of the costs and. <laughs> based on the options that were presented to United, they they chose definitely the most costly option uh, to yeah, them. And so it was a great, great quick read that people should definitely check out uh, that we can definitely uh, have a link to um, with, this, uh, with the uh, podcast. So check it out. It's a good read. All right. Uh, so our topic today, surveys. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, in episodes nine and 10, this is our 11th episode. Um, we had, we talked about CX measurement, actually being able to measure the perceptions of our customers for our business. But then also, um, with that, we, we can execute that through and, and being able to listen to our customers through a voice of the customer program. So in terms of the execution of these two concepts, a lot of people do it through survey work. So with that said, um, I mean, Paul, you know, I, it seems like surveys are the most popular way to measure CX. Um, is that true or, or why, do you think it, why do you think everyone tends to gravitate towards the survey?
1: yeah it's a starting point it's a starting point um and you know it's 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 the core of a voice of the customer program you got to give a customer voice and so a survey is a way of giving giving voice to the customer theoretically so that's where it starts you know and and then you know again it's um we talked before about you've got surveys which is what people say and how they feel about things but then there's what they what they actually sue do how they behave there's lots of different data you can collect uh, about from customers you know uh, surveys are a more structured um type of uh, uh of of tool research tool and it allows you to quantify things at the high level the relationship level just how are we doing at a transactional level how did this interaction go did you get what you needed was it easy you know what 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 could we improve so surveys are super useful tool in your tool belt um Um, I tell every every customer experience person, take every single, you know, we all get a thousand surveys. Take every single survey that you can take because it's a really, really great window into how sophisticated the other company is. Mm -hmm. When that company is asking you all sorts of internally based questions, you know, (laughs) let's keep picking on United today. They've got a (laughs) survey in their mobile app. And you know they're asking for feedback, but that feedback is all about the mobile app. And it's like, no, I've got a ticketing question, or I've got a comment about, you know, your Wi-Fi access isn't working on your planes. You know, I may just be using the mobile device, yet their survey is completely me, me, me focused for, for the for the 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 mobile app team. So, you know, I say take a lot of those surveys. The way those questions are asked, if they're channel specific versus, you know customer centric and, and, and focused on capturing the experience mm-hmm. from the customer gives you a really great window into how sophisticated the other company is.
0: Yeah, so um, what are some examples of uh, surveys that you've seen uh, that actually ha- are written in a way that is a mature organization in terms of customer experience?
1: Yeah, so Delta Delta Airlines, for example, that's uh, actually done quite a bit of good, good work around customer experience. You know, I got, I got uh, uh, saw a survey that was looking at the. You know, every airline screws up from time to time, or has uh, 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 circumstances in which a plane cannot take off on time, so you're late. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sent us, out a survey to everyone who had a late, you know, a, a delayed plane experience, but they asked really across the entire spectrum of things, from how well did we communicate up front. Did you get the information you needed from the front staff? Was the pilot, and you know, were you reaccommodated? They really understood what that situation looked and felt like from the customer's perspective. So it wasn't about just the flight experience, it was about the mobile experience of fronting the alerts or emails to the staff at the front desk to actually, you know, the, the getting reaccommodated, which is a business process kind of, you know. Um, did, did they get you on a different flight if you really needed to be someplace? So it was a really nice. Again, it wasn't about a silo and someone mm-hmm. asking about a specific, you know, thing. It was. It was really a broader experience, and that you know, and I felt like they captured it really well. Yeah. Um, there's some other really good surveys out there. Just short and sweet. Um, um, Chase actually has it up on its um uh in in inside it's you know it's it's a it's really easy to click within the within the website once you've Mm -hmm. logged in. Simple question, how are we doing? Give me feedback on what we could do better. Uh there's a company out there, Box Home Loans. Um sort of similar. When what you know when you're done with the the loan origination, I've just gotten a home Mm -hmm. loan through them. You know, simple, how did we do? Would you recommend us? give us feedback on what we're doing. So open-ended question, short, you know, uh, uh, other one. You know, I like some of those surveys. They're short, sweet, easy. They get a sense of how we did, but they, you know, let customers in their own words use their own texts, you know, to, 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 to give you suggestions about what you could do better.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> based on these these examples and what you've seen, um, let's talk about a little bit about what makes a good or an effective survey, right? I mean, we're not going to get away completely from surveying. Um, yeah. It's a core tool. But what, let's talk about what actually makes a good survey. And I think we kind of have this idea we've thrown around called the three E's of survey um, as kind of, you know, we all have – we always have a framework here being consultants. But, um, <laughs> you know, what are what are some of those core – um, uh, things that really make a good survey if you're going to write one. So,
1: yeah, so we borrow the R three E's are you know borrowed from Forrester and, and and Temkin Group. It's around you know being effective, easy, and enjoyable. So effective is really do you know what you're surveying about? Um, some I've seen sixty question surveys, and when you get a sixty question survey, clearly someone does not know what they're surveying about. They're throwing the kid in the sink. At the customer, mm-hmm. so the effective part is: Do you understand the experience that you're surveying for? And is there, are you a, you know, when I look at a survey, I'm like, is someone going to get an effective understanding? Have they do they have a do they have a hypothesis coming in? Do they are they do they have a research question or set of questions that they're trying to ask? We talked before, and you know, in our in the metrics um, discussion that we had about. There are relationship level surveys and relationship metrics you can look at. There are journey based metrics and Mm -hmm. there are transactional metrics. And so I look at a survey and say, is this a relationship one? Is this, you know, is this company really thinking about the journey I'm on or is it transactional? Mm -hmm. And now are they effectively asking the right questions to ferret out, you know, what I'm feeling about my experience overall with my relationship? or about this particular channel at this particular time. Mm-hmm. So, effective is it? Easy, don't give me a 60 question survey. <laughs> you know, there are some principles, you know, so it's 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 really about, you know, uh, if I see question if I see surveys over 15 or 20 questions, I'm thinking you 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 don't you don't really understand what you're surveying about. So there's just a a, a sense of is it short and quick or you don't waste my time. You know, get to the point. There's a use usability kind of factor. You know, mm-hmm. writing the questions in a way that's easy for me to understand. Um, that it's easy for me to you know. If you have a lot of questions, you line them up so it's easy to click through. So just make it easy and don't take up a lot of my time getting through the survey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then enjoyable is have a personality, right? You're asking someone yeah. to spend some time and give feedback. Um, make me feel heard. You know, use language. Um, give me feedback that yeah, we heard this. We know this is an issue. You know, we'll get back to you. Follow up with the question. You know, make the experience enjoyable. So, you know, we look at all three of those things, and if you've got them, you know, you're kind of in the sweet spot.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, on a couple of those points, you know, when I've worked with clients, uh, it was actually uh, it was a financial services client. We were doing uh, some research around. Uh, attrition of their financial reps uh, selling products and they they hadn't really ever surveyed before and so we were kind of working with them write their survey and everyone wanted to get in on this process and it was like they you know certain people wanted to ask five questions and then another six questions and then another five questions it's like no, no 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 we need to keep this focused but it so how do you, though, coach, you know, folks to kind of say, look, this isn't going to be your one and only shot to survey, you know, um, so how do, how do we ensure that we're getting enough information back from the client by asking the right number of questions without it being too limited or, um, you know, limiting ourselves in the future, right? Or, you know, that feeling of being limited.
1: Yeah, and, and and really, you hit the nail on the head. The mindset of "I'm only going to do this once a year" is absolutely the wrong kind of mindset. Because if you're only doing it once a year, then yeah, you want to get the whole kitchen sink in there, and then it becomes an unwieldy and an untenable survey. Um, you know, the idea here is that I'm I'm gonna I'm constantly keeping the pulse on on, on mm-hmm. customers. So I may do different kinds of surveys and split my. You know, you can you can think about quota. You know. Do, am I do I need to send something out to all 20,000 of my customers? or maybe I'm sending it out to a subset because I'm really just trying to get you know a statistical sampling so there's a sampling kind of issue they're setting up the capability so I'm, I'm, I'm you know um, getting the pulse of how customers are feeling on a regular basis right. that's really a capability you know I, I may be talking to a company you know right in the beginning about you know let's Let's build this as a capability so you're gonna do this on an ongoing basis. I almost always with those early surveys too, if if a company's not used to surveying people a long time, mm-hmm. I'll add a question of to to the bottom of, you know, would you be willing as a customer to 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 do more research with us? You know, mm-hmm. we wanna we wanna get better, we want feedback, are you willing to be part of a panel? Um, that we would add, you know, we might pull you into a focus group or we might, um, you know, survey you again or make prototype something and want you to beta test right? and give us feedback, right? I mean, there's these wonderful opportunities to do ad hoc research and get everyone's answers, questions answered in, in a in a, in a a more sort of dignified way than throwing, you know, again, assuming everyone's going to, you know, uh, uh, fill out a giant survey, you know, at one, one point.
0: Yep, yep. So I think maybe a couple other best practices that, I, that I've seen, and I think that we've seen together on, on certain engagements, um, not in, in terms of the on the easy side and the relative shortness of it, but also indicating how much time you expect it to take up front. Right. Um, I think being able to help people understand how, what is the level of effort and how long this is going to take me, and how as I'm progressing, kind of that usability piece, right of how close am I to the end? Because if it seems like it just keeps going and going, I'm gonna abandon it, right? Versus being yeah. able to collect that information.
1: It's it's really usability 101. You know, most of the heuristics, heuristic evalu, or heuristic, uh, heuristics for good usable design mm-hmm. is feedback and progress. If, if something is gonna take a certain amount of time, give me a sense of it. You know, if I've got if I'm in different sections, give me breadcrumbs. Uh, if I make a mistake you know, uh, correct for those errors, you know, make things legible and easy to read, um, you know, all of those, all of, the, I mean, there's just some basic usability types of things that, you know, should apply in your average survey. Yep. And a lot of, to credit, a lot of the survey vendors are doing a better job now, um, you know, whether it's a survey gizmo or a medallion or, or, you know, the enterprise feedback uh, tools like uh, uh medallia or, 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 or Qualtrics, are doing a much better job of building those basic, uh, usability features into, into their tools. Yeah. Um, but it is still amazing how many surveys you get that, uh, that, you know, you get the high gravity
0: in terms of that. Yeah. Let's quickly talk a little bit about open text versus kind of closed questions and what we see out there <clears throat> based on, based on your experience and in collecting information, where do a lot of the key insights come from? Is it, from, because I'm asking very pointed yes-no questions or, you know, rate right on a scale of 1 to 10 or whatever it might be, or do you find that there's a lot of value in actually reducing overall number of questions by substituting with with an open text question?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, in some ways, they're different. They're for different reasons. Um, when I've got a very good sense of what a reason is and I want to quantify mm-hmm. how, how much of you know, how important is X, Y, or Z, then a question, a multiple choice kind of question to get an answer can be really, really powerful because I want to quantify. I don't know how, how much it is. Yeah. Um, when I don't know the answer very well or I'm making some stuff up, you know, an open text can be really, really powerful. It's like you tell me what's going on. I I you know I may have had I may have a list, but you know, I'm navel gazing in, in the, the walls of my company. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really like those early on when I when I, I just don't have a, a, an idea of what's going on from a customer perspective. You know, sometimes we get ask a thousand questions and still not get the point. And I, I see companies doing that, right? It's like, here's the things that I do. What do you like any of them? Right. Maybe you're not doing the right things in the first place. And so you're getting asked people to ask, answer questions about things that are still unimportant. So mm-hmm. you don't have that open and you're not going to get any of the stuff that they care about. Yeah. So again, there, there are two different purposes. You know, we we always talk about doing qualitative research and then quantitative and then qualitative that back and forth to me, the really powerful piece of doing qualitative research is, is really trying to understand from the customer's perspective, what is important? How do you phrase things? How Mm -hmm. do you, what do you mean by um, having choice? Right, I can I can make up that in my own mind of what I means to give you choice. Gosh, I'd love to hear that from your perspective. So those kinds of interview questions are a lot like an open-ended text, right? Use your words, tell me what's going on, yeah. um, and that may frame an entirely new research project. You know, whether that again, whether that's qualitative research or just the open ends, you know, may trigger. Oh my gosh, we we completely missed the boat on a set of questions. Mm-hmm. you know, but our open ends, you know, our open feedback gave us a lot of, uh, of, of, of effort. Yeah. You know, and, and, and research can be like polls, right? It doesn't have to be a, uh, a, 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 a you know, I can, I can put one or two research questions just on a website or in an email, you know, any given email, let the, you know, some of the technology again, it's really, really good to embed a poll question right inside a, um, you know, and and with an open end, right inside of an email message. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some really powerful things. So, you know, I think I think there's some rethinking that that can go on relative to I'm doing research. I want to constantly do research. I want to have the pulse, my my finger in the pulse of customers. You know, there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff that you know yeah, companies can do. I think are just scratching the surface of yeah. by and large.
0: Well, I wanna I wanna wrap up this topic by talking kind of how we might address one of the issues with surveys, which is really survey fatigue. I mean, let's face it, we're <laughs> you get how many surveys every day, right? Everyone is asking for information. Um, how, do we, how do we combat some of that survey fatigue? Is it um, specifically how we write the survey? Is it when we write the survey? Is it, we just need to uh, supplement surveying with other forms of research?
1: I think the, the last piece is really where it's at. So, one, I think you can write better surveys so people want to take them, more relevant surveys. You know, when I get 15 surveys about every single flight experience, you know, I'll take one of them and then I stop filling them out. Right. So, maybe you're pinging people on a, on, a, on a different sort of basis, and it's not about the flight. It's about sort of the larger experience sometimes. So you know, I think there's some rethinking about um, when and how you how you do those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think shorter surveys help, right? And if you can actually take the take the survey right in the context of your web browser, or if I'm on a mobile device, or mine on your website, customers are multimodal right now, and, and you know, and and there's lots of different kinds of places that you could get them, you know, for four, you know shorter shorter research types of questions. I think people want to give feedback. You know, especially your most loyal customers are ones that want you to do better. I want to, right. I want you to serve me better, right? And even customers that have gone away, they very well want to give you feedback and look. Look, I love to do business with you, but here's the five things that you really suck at. Get better, and I'll come back. Um, you know, I think there's a tremendous amount of data in contact centers and through transcripts and reviews and ratings. You know that that goes untapped. Mm-hmm. You know, the contact center, in my mind is the big untapped. You know, you've got co- customers calling in all of the time with things that have gone wrong. Right. You know, have you mined that? You know, that's all sorts of unstructured data you could that you could capture and get a real good sense for. And, you know, and, and some of that's good, some of that's bad. You know, um, some of it's ugly. Um, but, you know, I, I think some of the, you know, that and social media mining, you know, are, are just rich, rich with, with insights about what, what customers think about your company and where the problems are. Yeah. So I think there's a, a little bit of both. And then, you know, and then I think asking customers to be part of these panels, I think can, can be powerful too, is, you know, don't ping everyone, um, you know, use some of these opt-in panels uh, and, and that kind of capability. You know, there are rich tools out there that we, that we haven't had in the past. So, um, yep. you know, I don't think Everyone's using
0: them. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, some of these tools. you mentioned unstructured data. Let's talk a little bit and end this segment on uh, CX tool of the week, and specifically, kind of our open text mining tools. Uh, there are a couple of uh, vendors out there that are doing this. Um, just wanted to get your your idea, or your thought around, um, you know, how these tools have matured and the value that they're starting to bring.
1: Yeah, so the whole area of natural language understanding is—it's really going through the roof. It's going through the roof, um, you know, in terms of of conversational engines. So you've got the series and the Alexa Echoes that are mm-hmm. that are literally not—you know—they're solving two problems. They're understanding your voice and converting it to text, but then converting that meaning to you know that text into meaning, semantic meaning, and matching up you up with content. So. You know, that's essentially what's, what some of these text-based an- analytics tools are doing is taking your text and your feedback mm-hmm. and ta- allowing you to tag it, um, automatically categorizing it, pulling up sentiment and so forth. So a Clarabridge, Bridge, um, which is one of the leading voice of the customer vendors, is a very, very different approach to listening to customers mm-hmm. than, say, uh, a Qualtrics or a Medallia that are much more of the, you know, traditional survey-based. Qualtrics is all about the text. They've, they've, they've got some survey-based tools, but their, their, their thought is, hey, let me go look at emails, let me go get the contact center, go, you, go uh, you know, put that, grab that um, speech and recorded sound, turn it to text, and we'll mine that for sentiment and tell you how you're doing and where the problems are and where the opportunities are. Um, super, super different approach to voice of the customer. It's just using all of the rich data that's out there already uh, that you haven't had. I think we're going to, you know, there's a, you know, as, as chatbots and uh, instant messaging um, uh, platforms, the, the, the voice, um, you know, and IVR types of things, um, you know, either in the IVR with, a, you know, something like a Nuance or or the Siri and Alexa um, mm-hmm. you know, conversational and you pick up that's going to become more and more powerful. It's just going to be this rich dialogue that you, you know, will I think can be your your voice to the customer. Yeah. So I think people should be playing around with it. I think you know again, there's 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 rich data to be had there, mm-hmm. and is some probably some of the the richest jewels. Um, again, I see Clarabridge as kind of one of the leaders out there. There are certainly point players. We've seen a company called Kia Techs that we've you know played around with a, a, a little bit. Um, Forrester has a wave document that's all around text mining tools uh, of various different sorts. IBM is obviously, uh, you know, in this in this camp and, and playing. There's a, um, um, I, I know there's. A, I'm spacing on some of the others, but there's a, there's a, you know, we've got a we've got a list of tools that that kind of play in this. And then all of the voice of the customer, the traditional Qualtrics, modality, confirm it, Confirmit, um, all have um, text mining capabilities of some level. Um, tend to not be nearly as as robust as, like, Clarabridge, um, but but good, you know, for at least tagging, um, helping auto-categorize, and um, there's less machine learning, but there's some auto-categorization, and they allow you to tag some things uh, that are relevant to your business. So super, super useful.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, with that, we'll uh, end today's episode uh, around uh, the open text piece. Hopefully people got... Uh, you know, a couple of uh, quick uh, tips on survey writing and how we can all make our world better by (laughs) making them at least a little bit more enjoyable and (laughs) shorter, uh, get some of that time back. But uh, yeah, appreciate you joining me today, Paul. Uh, Great conversation as always, and uh, looking forward to coming back next week.
1: Thanks all. Have a great weekend.
0: Yeah, have a great weekend, everyone. Take care.